This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Budget week, and it's been hard to miss the news that the Albanese government has delivered our first surplus in 15 years. So in this Squish Shortcut, we look at why being back in the black is such a big deal, what's in the budget for you, and the big economic challenges still facing Australia. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Alex Tai. And I'm Claire Kimball. When I saw it was the budget this week, my first thought was... Hold on, didn't we have a budget? Didn't we just have a budget? And it turns out that I'm not going mad, Claire. We did have a budget in October. So why did we need another one? Yeah, and look, sometimes elections throw off the budget cycle. Mm. Budgets are normally in May. uh, But then, of course, looking at last year, the federal election was in May. Mm. So the new Albanese government didn't want to wait a full year to signal their spending priorities. So October was what we call a mini budget. Mm -hmm. And then this week's is the full deal. It's the complete set of numbers. Okay, and clearly no one except super political nerds would remember what got announced at that October budget. So, Claire, you're a super political nerd. Can you just give us a quick bit of a recap? Yeah, that's a label I'm happy to wear, I guess. (laughs) Uh, There were a few key things that the Albanese government locked in back then. Paid parental leave, for example, it increased Mm. from 20 to 26 weeks. Uh, That was quite a cost. Also, there was a big increase to childcare subsidies for a lot of families. Those kick in in July. Another big one was to reduce the cost of medicine. So the maximum script costs for any drug listed on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme went from $42 to $30, and that had a price tag of about $750 million. All right. It's all coming back to me. Now, this year, a lot of the news about the budget has been about the surplus, the fact that the government is expecting to have a handy $4.2 billion in its wallet at the end of the financial year, rather than a big fat wad of debt and IOUs. Why is that such a big deal, that surplus? Yeah, look, there is a long political history to all of this, but in a nutshell, getting the budget back in surplus has been a really big deal, especially since the days of the Howard government. Then Treasurer Peter Costello would use the phrase back in black to whack Labor about deficits when he came to office. That was in 1996. Uh, And so for the coalition, it's really been the key bottom line figure that led them to claim that they're better economic managers. Right. So for Labor to get a surplus, that's a really big deal because they kind of get to break that voodoo. Yeah, and this surplus is the first since 2007. That was John Howard's last year in office. And, of course, remember Kevin Rudd's government was on track to deliver a surplus, but then the global financial crisis hit. Then it's likely the Morrison government would have delivered a surplus in 2020, but then COVID hit our shores and, of course, blew Mm. away any hope of that. JobKeeper alone cost the government $89 billion. So Mm. with all that spending due to the pandemic and the grim global outlook, uh, everyone thought that there would be deficits going as far as the eye could see. But instead, we have this big turnaround. So why is that? 
Because even as the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, was standing up to deliver the October budget, he forecast a deficit this financial year of $37 billion. Yeah, look, it really proves forecasting this stuff is a mugs game. Uh, <laughs> it's clearly more an art than a science. So uh, to look at a couple of things that have really made this possible, first is our ultra-low unemployment rate of 3.5%. Uh, the Treasury said that it didn't expect it to stay that low. Uh, and for more people in work, that means more income tax that comes into the government. Uh, and they aren't paying out as much in welfare. And the second thing to note is that commodity prices are high. When you look across iron ore and coal and gas, those exports really do keep delivering the government a financial windfall. Okay, so we've established that maybe Treasury hasn't been doing their best forecasting. Is there a chance that when they say it's going to get worse from here... They might actually be wrong on that too, fingers crossed. Yeah, and look, you never say never, but uh, what they say is don't get your hopes up. Uh, Treasurer Jim Chalmers is expecting the weakest global growth in 20 years over the next couple of years, and Australia can't escape that. Okay, well, next, let's take a look at what's in this budget for you. Right, let's get into the detail, into some of those numbers on the big stuff in the budget. A lot of it we found out before the actual budget night, and we'll recap that in a bit. But Claire, give us the lowdown on any surprises we had on Tuesday night. Yeah, so there's been a big push uh, from community groups and even from Labor's own MPs over the last couple of months to boost unemployment benefits, and they've done that. Uh, the Treasurer confirmed that the government will lift JobSeeker by $40 a fortnight in September, and that's for everyone, not just the over 55s that he'd already flagged. And if you're on Youth Allowance or Ausstudy, you'll get that same increase, and that will cost about $5 billion. And that $5 billion is part of a $14.6 billion package the Albanese government is saying will directly help lower income Australians with the high cost of living. Yeah, and we know that rent particularly is one of those major expenses that's really hurting a lot of people right now. And about a million households are eligible for Commonwealth rent assistance. Mm. They're going to get an extra $31 a fortnight, which will cost the budget $2.7 billion. And people complain all the time that they can't find a doctor who will bulk bill. The government reckons this budget is going to change that. Yeah, so bulk billing is when you go to a GP and you basically aren't out of pocket for it. The government covers with a rebate the doctor's charge. And mm. what they did on budget night was triple the incentive that the government pays to doctors to bulk bill children and anyone on a concession card. And that's over 10 million Australians. Mm. That's going to cost $3.5 billion over five years. Now, there was a bunch of stuff that got rolled out as announcements before budget night. So, Claire, why don't you give us a bit of a wrap on all the bits and pieces that came before Tuesday? Yeah, look, a lot of it is bang on theme of this cost of living relief for lower income households. So some families and small businesses will be getting around $500 in relief on their energy bill, depending on where you live. Uh, that will cost the government $1.5 billion and one close to the heart of Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, given his own experience of being raised by a single mother. The supplement for single parents on JobSeeker will be extended until their youngest child is 14 years old. 
Yes, that used to cut out when your kid turned eight. That will cost around $2 billion over the next couple of years and will give those parents an extra $175 a fortnight. And the wage rise for aged care workers was another big one. It's in this budget. Uh, More than $14 billion will fund a 15% pay rise. Uh, Remember, the Fair Work Commission said that that pay rise should be delivered in one go. So that's an extra $7,000 a year on average coming to some of our lowest paid workers. Right. So lots of money to help cost of living pressures, but the budget can't just be Santa handing out (laughs) cash wherever it wants. You have to pay for these things somehow. So Claire, why don't you enlighten us about how the government is cutting programs or stopping things so they can pay for these things? Well, we know a lot of money is being poured into defence to build submarines, but at the same time, the Treasurer says that they'll save about $8 billion from defence projects. Uh, That's things like cutting the number of armoured vehicles that it had planned to buy. Yeah, poor army. It's all about the Navy at the moment. (laughs) And a couple of other ways the government is banking some coin. They are increasing the tax on companies drilling for offshore gas by $2.5 billion and higher taxes on smoking and a crackdown on vaping. Yep, I'm not a smoker, but it blows my mind that a packet of cigarettes these days is at least $40 and only getting more expensive. Uh, The government is going to rake in another $3 billion over four years from increasing taxes there. Mm. Uh, So they've made smokers mad and (laughs) other groups you might not have noticed or might have noticed that they've made really mad of pharmacists. Uh, So the government is going to save more than a billion dollars over four years. They're doing that by allowing patients to collect two months' worth of medicines on a single script instead of needing to go to the chemist every month. Next, let's take a look at the big economic challenges the government still has to deal with. Okay, so a small surplus this year, you'd think given how long it's been, the government would be throwing itself a big ticker tape parade. Why has the reaction to this surplus been relatively subdued? Yeah, well, to put it bluntly, it's because they know it's not going to last. Jim Chalmers doesn't want to set himself up for future years when the surplus that we're currently seeing will likely disappear just as quickly as it came. I like this line from economist Peter Martin. He says, Chalmers has decided he's not going to use the surplus as a test of economic virility. And given that all of our federal treasurers have been blokes, it's a pretty fair reflection of how surpluses have been paraded about in the past. Yeah, they have been paraded around and it's probably politically savvy at the moment not to be gloating Mm. because if you did, uh, what happens is that if the Treasury's bang on with its forecast of a $14 billion deficit next year uh, or the $37 billion deficit that it's predicting in 25-26, that financial year, uh, or if there's other deficits that it's predicting out until the financial year ending in 2034, uh, it's not a good spot to be in if you're gloating about it. Right, because back in October, we talked a lot about revenue and the fact that on those long-term trends, the money the government is bringing in must be close to peaking because growth is slowing and unemployment is going up. And then on the flip side, the spending side, you've got these big programs that we're committed to, like those submarines, pensions, the NDIS, aged care, and all of those costs are rising. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad you were paying attention back in October, Alex, because that's what the economists say this is all about. There's a lot of problems that still haven't been dealt with and issues as well that the economists call the structural deficit because the government is committed to all of those programs. They're big spending programs and it's just not going to have the revenue to pay for them all. Right. And it's not like this current budget, the one from Tuesday, has all the answers to those problems. No, and Chalmers has warned that there's going to be difficult decisions ahead. Uh, We already heard last month from Prime Minister Albanese that he was on a mission to save the NDIS, that National Disability Insurance Scheme, Mm. uh, from blowing out and becoming unsustainable. So that means slowing the number of people who are able to get access to that scheme. And I feel for people on that scheme who must get the shivers every time the NDIS gets Mm. mentioned in the news. But it's not like it's the only program costing the government money. No, absolutely. And don't forget that we still haven't even grappled with paying for those nuclear subs yet. Mm. Uh, They're going to cost $20 billion over the next four years just for the basic prep work. Uh, And that's before we get to the much scarier price tag of $360-odd billion over the next 30 years. So what is Jim Chalmers hinting at then when he talks about difficult decisions? Look, in his own words, he said fixing the mess would take a lot more than one term of government. So there's some thought uh, that means that going to the next election with a plan to increase taxes perhaps, Mm. or at the very least to scale back tax cuts that were due to come into effect in July next year. Uh, Remember those tax cuts, which really benefit higher income earners the most, their estimate to cost the budget $243 billion in lost tax tax revenue over a decade. So you can betcha that the government would love to bank that. Uh, But as you know, it's pretty dangerous political territory to walk back election promises. And that is your shortcut to Labor's 2023 federal budget. Now onto our recommendations. Each week, we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening, watching on the topic. And I'm not always a fan of budget winners and losers lists, but we will link to one that comes with a bit of sass and analysis written by James Masola from the SMH and The Age. I love a winner and loser reckoner. I think it's a great way and a very Australian way to dive in to say who's won and who's lost. Uh, I've got the one that's published by the ABC. I found that quite handy. Thank you for listening in. If you like what you heard, please tell people about the podcast. And if you have any requests, you can send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. In the meantime, there are plenty more episodes for you to have a listen to. So get into that. Until next time. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.